Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you are ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Are you in? All right, let's go. God bless you and have a seat. Open your Bibles up to Jonah chapter one. Jonah is a small, easy to read four chapter book in the Old Testament. It's considered one of the minor prophets, not because he was a minor person, he was a major person, but it's just small. And uh, it's an easy read, it's a narrative. And, uh, And Jonah is one of these Bible heroes we're talking about today. So while you're looking up Jonah one, I just wanna tell you something. I made a choice a long time ago (laughs) <laughs> and it's, it's based upon this. I do not enjoy misery. So what I figured out is, is if I try not to do the things that result in misery, then it works great. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Who in the world wants to be miserable? Yeah, see, I want to live life to its fullest. Jesus said he came that we have life and life to the full. And I, I don't want to live in misery. And I also just love having a good time, especially with Rebecca. Yeah. In fact, we just uh, celebrated 28 years of marriage on July 30th. So we weren't able to like do the full-blown celebration on that day because I'm sure we were doing other things. But, uh, But to mark 28 years, I took my lovely bride to a musical. All the ladies and all the artists in here are very proud of me right now. Guys, I, I just want to tell you this, just real, real quick, I'm, I'm about ready to, ready to raise the bar for all of you. Uh, ladies, you'll know what I'm talking about, but I took Rebecca to see an American in Paris. This is a Broadway musical that has like a few lines of dialogue and a whole lot of singing and mega dancing through the whole thing. Now, I just just say, Rebecca was so kind because when we were selecting which Broadway show that we were going to see, I gave her the list and she said, I really want to see an American in Paris. She goes, that would be my number one pick. But then she was so kind because she said, this would probably not be the one that you would enjoy at all. But based upon her comment, I knew this production would be my best choice. (laughs) So there we were sitting on the front row Front row of, ba- of balcony C, but let's take it balcony C. See, see, uh, but, 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 and the only reason we we're on the front row of balcony C is because we did see some seats on the front row that weren't taken in the musical. It started like, well, hey, if no one's going to take those seats, we're just going to kind of just go down there and take things into our own hands, you know? It's, it's New York. We can do that. So we went down there and sat on the front row of balcony C. It was very nice. And just in case some of you are wondering, I had no clue what an American in Paris was all about. I had no clue. And after the musical finished, 
I still had no clue what it was about, except there was this American guy, I'm serious, an American guy in Paris, and I did get this part, it was in the 1940s after the war, I, 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 could, I could figure that part out, and, and there were just a lot of people singing and dancing, and there was this girl that was in the, in the you know, musical, but, but the truth is, I had the time of my life, I really had a good time. Why? It's because I was with the love of my life, doing the things the love of my life wants to do. I made the choice I'm going to celebrate our special day. I made the choice that I wanted to make it as special as possible for my bride. And, and I wanted her to have a good time. And here's the deal. This is a little, little quick marriage advice. If she has a good time, then I have a chance of having a good time. You see, that, that does work. And uh, there was no misery in that evening whatsoever, except when the guy hit the bus on the way in, you know, because we, we did the New York Transit and we rode a bus. We shouldn't have done the bus. We should have just walked. But, 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 uh, that evening, I mean, yes, I mean, during the musical, I had some confusion and bewilderment, yes, but misery, no. Guys, this is some free advice for you here. Don't make it all about yourself and what you want. Because when you make it all about yourself, you end up having a miserable relationship or a miserable marriage. Now, today's Bible hero is a guy who is very miserable. Yes, his name is Jonah, and he is a Bible hero. And, but, but see, he had this problem. He was making everything about himself. Uh, he, he is, he's a Bible hero because, just, you have to understand this, he is the only person in the Bible who is credited with going into a large city and literally seeing full transformation of that city. That whole city repented. In fact, history, world history even tells us that, that, uh, that Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria, that, that the Assyrian Empire for almost 100 years was not practicing their, their, the, st the stuff that they had previously done for some odd reason. Well, that actually happens to be the time when Jonah's life intersects with history. And so it's interesting how history even proves these things to be true. So yes, he was most certainly a Bible hero, but, but God told him something to do. He said, I want you to do this. He said he would do it, but he didn't do it. Instead of what he did is he ran away from God, thus making his life miserable. He didn't do what God and the relationship said we should do. If you learn anything today, learn this principle right here. Here's how to be miserable. You want to know how to be miserable? Here's how to be miserable. Run from God. Just do it. In fact, while you're running from God and in your miserable state of affairs, uh, when you are not doing the right things to make the relationship with God work, you're actually going to make all the people around you miserable as well. So another thing to learn today is this, is the great, a great way to make your life companions miserable is for you to run from God. Have, you, have any of you ever worked with a miserable person? You know, you know the type. You know, they, they, they walk into the office, and as soon as they walk in, it's, you know, it's like the exhale just sucks the life out of the office. And, and, and they sit down at the desk next to you, and, and, and it's just like misery is exuding from them. And it's like this amoeba that's leaking over to your workstation. The blob has come to life, you know. And no matter how many smiley faces you put on your computer monitor, you're not very happy because misery is right there all the time. <laughs> Some of you might be married to a miserable person. Don't, no tapping, no nudging, nothing. Let God speak. Listen, you're not the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit do it, okay? But, but you really do understand what I'm talking about. Or maybe it's you. Maybe, maybe you're the one who's miserable. That's because you're running from God. 
See, running from God can actually take a lot of different shapes and sizes. Uh, running from God can be running from a call that God put on your life, or it can be running from a task that, that God, has, God has assigned you to do. It could be running from his conviction to clean up a particular area of your life. It, it could be running from his constant, gentle nudging that you need to make a bad situation right. And if you're living in misery today, here's the good news. You can break out. If you want to break out of misery, you got to understand this one principle right here. God's in charge. God's in charge. And, and knowing that, if you know that, that will help everything else to come together. Now, now this character in the Bible that I'm talking to you about today, Jonah, he, he was about to little, ready to learn this really, really important lesson that God is in charge. Now, now the good news is, is that you don't have to go through what Jonah went through to learn the lesson that God's in charge. So if we listen, if we respond, we don't have to go through what he went through. But Jonah was this prophet who lived in ancient Israel, and God spoke to Jonah to take a trip to Nineveh, and he, he was to go there, which was the capital city of the, uh, of the ancient Assyrian Empire. Uh, this is where Mosul, Iraq is today. I, had a, I have a military friend who, who was, was stationed there at one point. He just said, it's just like, it's, it's so stinking hot there. It's like your daily temperature is 120 degrees, and it's dry and sunny and windy all the time. And, 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 and this, this area of the world is just a very interesting area. Uh, uh, um, and, and, and in history, some strange things were going on because this was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And if you remember your world history, uh, you may have learned that the Assyrian Empire, when it rose to power, they became the most fierce and brutal nation in the history of the world up until that time because they had perfected some of the most horrendous uh, uh, and methods of torture. What they would do is they would put their, their enemies into excruciating physical pain just to display their dominance over them. And, and the Assyrians were not friends with the people of Israel. Now they weren't, they had not invaded Israel yet, but, but, uh, but they, were, they were not friends with Israel and Israel didn't like them. That's where Jonah was from. And everybody read the, the news. I mean, they all had the internet. They were all reading what Israel was, what uh, Assyria was doing all the time, what Nineveh was doing. And so they didn't have the internet. That was a joke. But, but, but see, Israel wanted to see Assyria destroyed. This is not Syria, but Assyria. They, they wanted to see them destroyed. And, and basically, uh, they just wanted these fearsome God-haters up north to simply be wiped off the planet, just to, be, just to be erased off the desert. And there is no way any Israelite in their right mind would actually go to Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria, because I mean, they were just afraid of these ferocious beast people. But, but God had a plan to rescue those people from themselves. So God spoke to his servant, Jonah. Hey, Jonah, you're a prophet. And you obey me, so here's what I'm going to say. I, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to witness to him. I want you to tell him about me and tell him that, that I'm going to destroy the city if, if they don't repent. And so Jonah agreed. <laughs> but, but what he did is he quietly got on a ship and he went, to the, and went in the opposite direction. And he was hoping, I, I, I think he was just hoping that God would go ahead and destroy, destroy Nineveh because he's thinking, hey, if I don't go, there's a chance they're not going to repent. That's going to be all cool and fine. I'm just going to go the other way, kind of hide from God. God's going to destroy and then everybody's going to rejoice that I'm going to be the one responsible for wiping out Israel's enemy. So Joseph, uh, excuse me, Jonah found a place to uh, sleep down in the hole of the ship and where he could hide from God and kind of hide from everyone else. And, 
And, uh, but, you know, guys, that's, that's not very smart because God then sent this huge storm that began to, like, pulverize the ship. And the sailors were afraid that the ship was about to sink. And, and the, these superstitious uh, seamen, they, they devised this little plan. And so what they did is they said, well, we're going to play a game. We're going to cast lots. And whoever loses, whoever the lot falls on, that's going to be the guilty party that the gods are upset with. And so, so they, they put their little game together. And they found miserable Jonah, who in his misery was hiding underneath. They pulled him out and said, all right, come on, get, get up here. And they all did their little game. And the loser was Jonah. God kind of worked that out. Uh, um, and, and so basically, which is actually proof that, that God works through gambling. I don't, I don't know how that, that works out, but it, it worked. Okay. But, but, but yeah, well, it is a wow. But Jonah was the guilty party. And he was running from God. And it's interesting because as he's running from God, he's in misery, and now all of his traveling companions are in misery. Yeah, see, that is how it works. So what he does, he just says, okay, guys, he, he kind of had this death wish or something. Just, throw me overboard, and you won't be miserable anymore. Everything will be just fine. So, so they finally did. They just threw him over. And, and, like, and here's what's interesting. The very moment Jonah's body hit the water, the storm immediately ceased, just totally freaking out these sailors. At this point, the sailors on the ship, the, the scriptures say they, they fall to their knees and they, they don't get saved, you know. But, but I want you to look at Jonah 1.17 because here we're, we're going to see what happens because poor, miserable Jonah, he's now thinking that it's all over. He's expecting death by drowning. And, and the, the only thing is that that was not God's plan and God still wanted Jonah to follow through and obey him. And so, so look at Jonah 1.17. It says, now the Lord provided. Will you, will you say those three words with me? The Lord provided. Say it again. The Lord provided. What did the Lord provide? He provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, I just love those words, the Lord provided. Very important words for today's message. Now, I just want to say this. There might be some of you who are with us today, and you're not followers of Jesus, and, and, and you might think this is a ridiculous fairy tale, and I'll be honest with you, this does sound very far-fetched, but we believe this story, and I can't explain the details of how it all works out. I don't know, because I'm not God, but I do believe it. I believe it all, and, and, and what's interesting, though, is that God provided something for Jonah, and how many times have we prayed for God to provide for us in a way to get us out of a mess, but then what God actually provides for us is certainly not what we expected. I guarantee this is what happened with Jonah. And you know, here's a life lesson for us. It's this, really clear here. God's provision might not be what you expected. In miserable Jonah's case, uh, there's, there's no way he would have been expecting to be swallowed by a huge fish. But it happened, and there he is, still alive, encased in the belly of the fish. And, and he's like, okay, gee, thanks, God. <laughs> Here I am. And, and just, just think, it's, it's not like he had his little cell phone flashlight that he could turn on and take a look around. I mean, it's dark in there, and it must feel really gushy and mushy and, and kind of gross. But, you know, in, if you read Jonah chapter 2, you see part of his prayer about seaweed wrapped around his head and all that kind of stuff. It would have been really ugly. And, and, but there he is, and just kind of, gee, thanks, God. But, but literally, that's what happened. He said, thank you, God. He began to thank God in the belly of the huge fish. Chapter 2 is that whole prayer that he offers to God. I encourage you to read it. And, and miserable Jonah now is deciding 
that he's actually blessed. And so he tells God he doesn't want to be miserable anymore, and he wants to obey God and not run from his calling anymore. And I want you to look. I, I have this little portion from the Amplified Bible that I just want to show you of his prayer to God. He's, he's praying this to God, and he, say, he says, those who pay regard to false, useless, and worthless idols forsake their own source of mercy and loving kindness. Now, I want to pause there for just a second because that first sentence right there, that describes a lot of people who would say, well, God is just against me and God's doing this against me and this against me. But, but see, they're not serving God. And when you don't serve God, what, we're, what you're actually doing is you are forsaking your own source of mercy and loving kindness. He is the source of mercy and loving kindness. And if we don't go to that source, we're not going to experience it. So he says this, and he, 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 he's understanding that the people, basically speaking of the people of Nineveh, that they're forsaking their own source of mercy and loving kindness. And he says, but as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. And he can't, in those days, they would offer sacrifices, you know, of animals or whatever. He's in there, it's like, oh, the sacrifice I can give to you is I can just give you thanksgiving out of my voice, which is a good thing to do. That's what we do today. He said, I will do, God, what I promised and then he says, salvation and deliverance belongs to the Lord. Now, that's a powerful statement right there because what he's saying is, God, I recognize here, salvation and deliverance belong to you. In other words, God will do what God wants to do, and I simply want to be a part of it. I want my heart to be aligned with God's heart. Therefore, my life will be a whole lot less miserable. That's a word for many of you here today. And then I, I like the way it ends up. It says, and then the Lord spoke to the fish. And he vomited Jonah upon the dry land. Now, now th this is really interesting. I mean, he, he, he's out of the fish, sitting on the land in this pool of vomit. Uh, so he's blessed by God in the middle of the puke. But you got you to think about this. Really get the picture here. I'm, I'm serious. I, I want you to get the full-blown picture because it says that he vomited him up onto dry land, so, so it, was, it was projectile vomiting. It wasn't a spit up. It wasn't that little, no, it was like, boom! And because, because God did something, he says God spoke to the fish, but, but this would have been just like, whoosh, I mean, forcing everything out, and Jonah comes flying out because the fish is in the water. It's not like, not, not like the Gulf Coast beaches, you're over Padre Island, and, and the water's this deep, you know, for the, for the next five miles out. No, no, I mean, this, this, uh, this fish, you know, would have been there, and, and he's big, giant fish is swimming around there, and he vomits, and Jonah has to fly completely from the water zone to the dry beach, covered in puke. Again, I don't understand God's ways, but Jonah was very blessed. Would you agree with me? He's blessed. Now, here's what's interesting, though. In the ancient Assyrian religion, they, not God's people, but the ancient Assyrians had a prophecy. This is true. They had a prophecy, and they believed that a great prophet would come out of the mouth of a fish. And when this prophet came out of the mouth of the fish, they had to listen to everything that he said. They had to obey him. Isn't that interesting how God works? God knew the prophecy. He goes, well, I'll just go ahead and fulfill your prophecy for you because here's the way to do it. See, Jonah, Jonah wouldn't have known about that prophecy, but God did. And, and obviously there were some Assyrian folks there at, uh, at the beach and they were out there doing their beach, you know, barbecue and hanging out. All of a sudden this fish comes up and boom! 
boom, the projectile vomit happens, and bam, this guy is sitting right there out in the middle of the beach, and the whole scene unfolds. Well, Jonah's now back on track with God. And, uh, and, and some of you, I'll just say, your lives are out of whack, and you're miserable because you're, you're denying a calling, and you're not responding to or obeying God right now, and it's starting to get ugly. Like Jonah, some of you might be scared for whatever stupid reason, but you're scared. Maybe, maybe you committed to God that you would simply tell people in the office about him. Or maybe you committed to God to preach or committed to God to serve in the church or, or you committed to God to lead. Or maybe you committed to God to, 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 stop, uh, to, to stop gossiping or you committed to God to drop a nasty habit of yours. But all of a sudden, it started looking a little bit daunting and you get afraid and you change your mind. I'll tell you this, guys. You'll never be fulfilled until you get back into your obedience with God because God is in charge. And, and for all of us here today, God is here to help us break out of our misery and get our lives back on track. The way we do it, it's all found in Jonah chapter 2. Very simple. First of all, the thing you do need to do is to honor God right here. Some of you need to take pictures of this and post this on your Instagram or your Facebook or, or whatever. You need to get back on track, and you need to honor God and be a worshiper. Just, just choose to be a worshiper. I'm not going to just go, go to church or, and, and ignore that anymore. I'm going to start worshiping God. And the second thing is to acknowledge that he's in charge. In other words, just tell him, God, you're in charge. You're the one. You're the one. You're in charge. I submit to you, God. I put you in authority. I'm getting myself off the throne. And the third thing is to take action on it. You just simply advance in your commitment with God. Take, a, take action. And some of you, you're going to need to take action on this today as soon as you walk out of this room. In fact, some of you, you've been hanging out around city life for a while, and you're part of the crowd, but you're, you're not part of the house. And, uh, and some of you need to just take that step today and come to the partnership lunch with me and have lunch with me and, and just hear about the story of city life and say, hey, you know, I want to go ahead and commit to being a part, just a partner, a part of this church. And then what begins to happen is the blessing on the church becomes the blessing on you and on your family. I want to be your pastor. That's one simple thing that you can do. See, Jonah ended up making things right. He obeyed, he got bold, he got to lit up that fire in him, and he went to Nineveh and he preached. The entire city repented. Uh, the people were so serious about it that they fasted. Now here's, here's what's kind of crazy. They, they, they even made their livestock and their pets fast. I, I, again, I don't even understand this, but I was kind of thinking about this myself. I, I have no idea what, uh, what our dogs, Peanut and Buttercup, would do, uh, Rebecca, if we forced them into a dog fast, you know, to repent. I mean, repenting of your dog sins. Your dogs, you've been vile. You pooped in the wrong spot so many times. Uh, you've been sneaking out of the backyard, and you always bark at Annabelle, which is the neighbor dog, which we're not going to talk about today, you know. Keep my heart right. But this radical response of even making the animals fast, I, can, I don't get it, but this got God's attention. And God relented not bringing destruction on the city. And this just ticked Noah off. I mean, Jonah, whoever the guy was, it, it ticked him off. He's kind of like, see, Noah did the boat. Jonah was in the fish, but they were both in the water. That's why I probably did that. But it just, it, it, Jonah went back to being miserable Jonah again. 
See, Jonah still hated these folks, and he really didn't want them to get saved from destruction. And he, again, now is forgetting that God's in charge. And Jonah is wanting his way again, so now he gets miserable. Well, my way, I'm, I didn't want them to get saved. <laughs> when I was in second grade, damn, this is true confessions time. It's wonderful. Being a pastor is so therapeutic. You can just confess your sins. And, well, my dad pastored uh, the First Assembly of God Church in Hobbs, New Mexico. Have you guys been to Hobbs, New Mexico? Yeah, it's just beautiful, you know, metropolitan, dead city in southern New Mexico. Well, I lived there, and, and, uh, and we went to, at that time, was the brand new grand opening of Coronado Elementary School, and, and there was this boy in my second grade class, and his name was Leroy. Now, I will admit, we called him Smelly Leroy. I, you know, I, it was wrong, I know, but I didn't like Smelly Leroy. Because it was, it was obvious, I mean, I, we had baths in our house, and, and we, have to go, we had to take a bath every, every night before bed, and that's what we had to do. But I didn't really like Smelly Leroy because he didn't take baths, obviously, and, and because he was mean to me. And really nobody was friends with Smelly Leroy, and I certainly didn't want to be his friend. But then one Sunday, I'm at my church, where my dad is the pastor, and my church in Hobbs, New Mexico, and guess whose family comes to church that day? Smelly Leroy. And what happens to Smelly Leroy? Well, he happens to be in my kids' church. And the kids' church teacher's like, and if you want to give your life to Jesus, you can. So he gives his life to Jesus. And everybody's so happy. And I'm going, oh, great. I don't like Smelly Leroy. And I was having trouble being happy with the whole thing because now I'm thinking, I'm going to have to, I, really, I'm going to have to smell him at school and at church. Poor, miserable me. Think about it. God worked a miracle but I was only thinking about my personal comfort. Here, here's the truth. I mean, God loves your enemies more than you do. See, God's in charge, and he is not willing that any should perish, even the people that grate on your nerves or smell really bad. And, and, and you actually might be part of the solution to see their lives turned around. Because this, this whole thing of serving God and following God, it's not all about your comfort and your pleasure. Take a look at Jonah chapter 4. This is, this is important. I want you to see this last chapter. There's a lot packed into here. Because this is what Jonah then says to God after the city repents and comes back to God. He says, he's, he starts off his prayer really well. He says, I know, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love. You're a God who relents from sending calamity. And that is true. That is the kind of God we serve. He says, and I know this about you, God, but, it, but in other words, but he kind of like says, but it makes me angry that you're that way. So he says, now, Lord, just take my life. Kill me, kill me now. Kill me now so I can die. For it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord replied, is it right for you to be ticked off, to be angry? Is it right for you to be, for some of you, is it right for you in here to be angry at God? Do you have any right to be ticked off because God blessed someone in a way that God desired and you don't even like that person and you didn't get blessed like they got blessed? See, none of us have the right to be angry with God. No, no one does. Why? Because God is in charge. And he might even use you to rescue the people that you don't like, your enemies. And some of you, you're, you're actually miserable because because of how God accomplished something or how God did something. And, and today I'm just saying, toss your misery out the window and get on board with God because he loves you. He really does. And he wants his 
power to be in you and to surge through you so that others will know about him as well. Take a look at verse five because the story continues. It says, Jonah had gone out and he sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a little shelter and he sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. So he, the, the, the whole city had, had you know, given their lives to God. And, and now, now he's there thinking, well, maybe a few people might change their minds. Some animals might eat, eat some food or whatever. And, and, and maybe God's just going to go ahead and destroy him. And so he's sitting there and waiting and waiting and waiting. Because he didn't want to be in the city when God sends, sends the fire and brimstone or whatever God was going to do. And then, and then it says, then the Lord God provided wait a minute, God's giving provision again. The first time he provided a fish. Now it says the Lord God provided, what? A leafy plant. And he made it to grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Wouldn't you have been happy? Hey, God just blessed him with this incredible blessing. Now he's under this, this, this shady plant, and, and it feels so much better than to be out in the blazing sun. And he's very happy about the plant. He's very happy about the blessing. He's very happy that he's, he's in a cooler environment. This is pretty good. Hey, this thing of obeying God is pretty good. God's, God's giving me some blessings here, and I'm enjoying some nice air-conditioned weather. But take a look at this. At dawn the next day, God provided. There it is again. God's, God's providing now a third thing. God provided what? A worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. So now God brought provision to bless him again by killing what he had blessed him with originally. And then when the sun rose, God brings more provision his way. God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And he wanted to die. And he said, it's better for me to die than to live. I mean, this guy has a death wish. He's all angry. And God said to Jonah, it's kind of like God saying to us, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Is it right for you to be angry about the blessing that I gave you for a season and it's not there anymore? Is it right for you to be angry about that? Well, Jonah's response was, it is. And I'm so angry, I wish I would just die. Some of you are so angry because you're under a blessing from God for a season, and then that blessing shifted. God's made you uncomfortable to, to move, to keep following him and doing what he wants you to do. And you're saying, I just want to quit. I want to give up. <laughs> then you get Jonah. I've been there. But look on, it says, but the Lord said, this is good. This is what God's saying to some of you today. You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I, God, not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot even tell their right hand from their left and many animals, which proves that God likes animals. See, th this is the heart of God. He does care about your comfort to a degree. He provides blessings for us. He provides. But when we become obsessed with the comfort over his agenda, forgetting that God's in charge and he's told us to do something, then God provides discomfort in the form of a worm 
or scorching wind. Listen up, guys. God's in charge, and he cares more about lost people than your personal comforts. He cares more about you doing what he's told you to do and that you said you would do than your personal comfort. So often, we, that's what well we make it about. It's like my comfort, my rest, my video games, my air conditioning. I need my recreation. I need, time. I need the temperature of my latte to be a little bit higher or lower. You know, I've got, and it's all about my vacations. Listen to this. What we learn here is that God many times will cause our comfort to end and provide discomfort to jolt us and wake us up and get us right back on track with his agenda. And some of you are there right now. And you're actually living far below your potential because you're afraid of that call of God. You're enamored with the personal comfort and you're miserable and you know it. The good news is, today, everything can change. I want, you, I want you to consider this. Are you living below your potential because of fear or because of your love for personal comfort? I tell you guys, that is a miserable way to live, and it's a trap for every one of us, and every one of us has stepped into that trap. But God has not called you or me to live a life of misery. See, but, but, but fear of doing what God has told you to do or an overappreciation for personal comfort, that will always make you miserable. God provided a fish. God provided a worm. God provided a scorching wind to get your attention. What is it that God is providing right now in your life? And you don't like it, but God sent it and he's getting your attention. Listen up. God is speaking to you. And I don't even know specifically what God is saying to you, except I know this much. God is speaking to some of you about some very specific things. Listen up, that's God talking, not me. You need to compare what God has told you to do versus what you're currently doing. How does your calling compare to your current focus? Are you walking in that calling? Are you obeying God? Or are you just kind of hanging out, kicking back, being part of the crowd, trying to find another blessing? it's time to light a fire under yourself and take action, take action, take action because God's in charge. It's time to break out of your misery and get your life back on track. Honor God and be a worshiper. Acknowledge that he is in charge and tell him, submit to him and advance forward in your commitment to God and take action. Like when you leave here today, you are going to take action. And don't, don't start thinking about it. Well, you're going to put a checklist together of what I'm going to do. No, you just need to start doing it. And in a moment, we're going to pray. And, and, and then we're going to sing a song of worship. And then over these next couple of minutes as we close, you're going to have an opportunity to do what Jonah did when he was in the belly of that fish. And that's to honor God and to be a worshiper and to simply acknowledge that he is in charge. He is the master of your destiny, not you. And then when I dismiss, your primary agenda item should be to advance your commitment. Take some action. Strong word. But it's exactly what some people in here need to feel and hear right now because it's time for you to peel off your misery. Please, no movement at this time. I'd like for us to close our eyes and just focus internally, if you will. I want to ask you, are you hiding from or running from or, or, or trying to ignore something, trying to even ignore something that God is saying? even in a small way. And the truth is we all do this from time to time. But if, if God is speaking to you about something specific, 
You know what that is, and please know that's not your imagination. That's not me planting a thought in your mind. That's God. You're, you're, listening. you're actually hearing from God right now. Are you ready to take action? If you're ready to take action, I want to pray for you right now. I want you guys just to pray this prayer in this room. Pray these words with me. Lord Jesus, I repent of selfish living. I am tired of the misery I'm in. I reject that misery in my life. I acknowledge that you are in charge, that you are on the throne and not me. I submit myself to the God agenda of my life. I choose to be a worshiper and get my heart and get my hands directed toward you. In Jesus' name. For some of you, that's a turning point right there. In a moment, you're going to have this moment to worship and just begin to practice this. But also, I... I, I if you want to know this Jesus that I'm talking about, you want a clean slate in your life, and, and you're ready to live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And if you want to be included in this closing prayer to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, and you want to give your life to him, you're not serving him now, but you, you, you want to serve God, then I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand because faith is when we respond outwardly to what is happening inwardly. And the truth is God loves you so much and he died for you so that you can have life and everything can change today. As you guys are focusing internally with your eyes closed on heaven, focusing on Jesus, how many here would lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus in my life and I want you to pray for me today. Would you lift your hand up so that I can see it? Thank you. Who else? I need Jesus in my life. I want to make things right with Jesus. Lift your hand for me. Thank you. Who else? Who else? I need to make, thank you. Anyone else? I need Jesus in my life today. I want to make things right with him. Craig, you can put your hands down. I want everyone in the room to stand up. We're going to pray together right now. Come on, come on. Listen, if you raised your hand, I want you to pray these words along with everybody else in this congregation, these believers. Guys, I want us to pray these words together, and we're going to see some things change. Pray it now. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. I choose to follow you wherever you lead me. I choose to be your bold servant, and I refuse to live a life of misery. <laughs> Thank you for cleansing me from all of my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information about how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.